Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to 3C Amplified. I'm your host, Jacqueline DeStrimps, and twice a month I'm here to highlight the businesses, nonprofits, and individuals collaborating to amplify their impact in the community. This series is sponsored by Another Hand Advantage, where I create marketing strategies for community-minded small businesses and nonprofits. So let's get started with today's show. Uh, joining me in the studio today, I have uh, Vicki McAllister and Derek Johnson, both board members with the Senior Advocacy Group of Awatuki. Welcome, both of you. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm very excited. I just got through the words senior advocacy group. <laughs> I was saying it in the car. I was doing an Instagram story in the car before I come in to promote, and I was fumbling through it, and I thought, oh my gosh, I got to get this out of the way now. So welcome to both of you. I'm excited to have you both here. Thank you. Yeah, let's go ahead and get started. Um, Vicki, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you uh, became involved with well, actually, what, what you're doing with um, with uh, the Senior Advocacy Group now and kind of how you got involved. Absolutely. Our senior advocacy is really about advocacy, and we were founded in 2011 as a group of nonprofit and profit business uh, leaders in Ahwatukee and volunteers to really, from a grassroots perspective, advocate, provide resources and education for seniors and their families in our area. And of course, as we have grown, we have our wonderful MedStats product, which Derek will talk about. But I think the heart and soul of who we are is reaching out to serve our seniors and their families in Ahwatukee. Mm -hmm. And so how did you first hear about the organization and um, how did you get involved? Well, I was asked to come to some of the meetings and, and provide some support as a volunteer. Mm -hmm. And through that process, decided our mission statement, our purpose statement, really spoke to me, mm -hmm. having worked in all levels of licensed care over a long career. And I think if we can help our seniors in, their, in our community and help them stay home, help families with resources, we're really doing the right thing. Right, definitely. And Derek, how about a little bit about yourself and how you first became involved with the organization? Well, uh, thank you for having us on today. I've actually been a first responder, firefighter, for going on about 35 years in the Phoenix area and before that down in the Tucson area. And we see a lot of different things that go on, obviously, in the community. And one of the things that uh, is real common for all first responders is that um, you go when people need you. And a lot of times, obviously, the people who are calling you, they don't know that emergency is going to happen that day. Right. So um, at my station... Um, very uh, lovely woman uh, who was a founder of uh, Saga. Her name is Linda Yoakum. Uh, knocked on our door one day and she said, hey, I have this packet that I'm wondering if you can give out to people. But before you do that, we want to know if it's good. So it was the med stats that we're going to go over a little bit later. And it was really just letting people know what they should have when we show up so that we can do our jobs. And then obviously we looked at it, it looked great. And she just said, hey, there's a group called Saga, Senior Advocacy Group for uh, Awatuki, would you like to come speak with us? So I came, spoke to them, and then they're a great group of people. And, you know, they just had that way about bringing you in and wanting to help. So that's how I got involved, and uh, it's been a pleasure, and um, we've got some good things going on. I hope we can share that with you today. 
Great. Yeah, it sounds like you you walk in and and next thing you know you're you're on the board you know? <laughs> <laughs> or a volunteer. Yeah. Um, going back to what you said, Vicky, it was yes. something like you said that just really spoke to you. And um, I always encourage people when they're looking for ways to give back. It doesn't necessarily mean the first place that you decide to visit or volunteer with is going to be it. So definitely take a look around and, and see where you best. What best fits um, their needs and how you fit into that. So it sounds like that was really, like you said, just spoke to you. And a purpose statement is is your core purpose. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not a networking group where people just come together each month to meet each other. We really do have a broader purpose and we're raising money. and, And next year we can give money back to the community because we've been around now long enough doing the right things. And as, and when you talk about our MedStats product, which Jerry can speak more eloquently of. Mm-hmm. It's important that when older adults have a healthcare crisis, that they be prepared, that they have the materials and and the resources, as well as position to be more proactive. And so we've updated our MedStats product today to talk about that. And Derek is the best person to do that. <laughs> yeah. So since you actually already touched on it a little bit when you said she, you know, came knocking at your door and said, hey, you know, what do you think of this? Tell me a little bit about, obviously, tell me about MedStats, kind of where it started and where it is now and, and what that does to help our community. Well, one of the things that um, all, all first responders or just even when you go see your doctor or you go to the emergency room, is we need to know who you are. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, unfortunately, particularly seniors, they live by themselves or they live with a, a spouse that maybe has health issues as well. And there's a lot of dementia. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of um, memory loss. There's a lot of confusion. And a lot of that comes from just aging. Right. And uh, you find that when we go to calls, we'll actually have people who they really don't know what's going on other than something's wrong. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, um, which is real common is maybe a family member tries to contact that person and either can't get a hold of them or when they call them, they don't sound right. Right. So they call the fire department. We show up and when we go in, just simple things like who that person is, their name, because those are questions that we ask to determine if they have uh, cognitive issues. Right. So a simple thing like what's your name, how old are you, your birth date. Then we'll typically ask if there's someone at the house, but if not, we'll try to call somebody and say, can you give us some more information about their health history? Mm-hmm. When we go on calls, every fire truck has a paramedic on, paramedics on it. But when we take you to the hospital as well, we have medications that we can give it to you and help you, or actually the medications we have can kill you. Yeah, right. And uh, a simple example would be um, if someone were having a heart attack, one of the standard, you even see it on TV commercials, take aspirin. Mm-hmm. Well, we give aspirin and other drugs, but if you have an allergy to aspirin right. and we give it to you, yeah. the actual drug that we would give to you to enter, you know, to basically save your life if you're having an allergic reaction, if you're having a heart attack, will actually kill you. Right. So just a simple thing is allergies, what medications you take. The other thing that happens when we get there is that um, they may not have an, uh, family members there that can give us information. So we need contact information to call those people to get sometimes get medical history. Right. And it's not uncommon when uh, elderly people fall, either a medical condition causes them to fall or they fall and then they have an injury or a condition where maybe they lose consciousness or something like that. So simple things like medications. Then we go uh, probably a step further where if we can know their doctor, 
that gives us a clue whether they're seeing a cardiologist or uh, maybe just a general doctor. So those are just kind of basic information that's on there. But then as we go further, and, and Vicki and I can share a little bit where we've tried to build MedStats beyond just that basic information. So where you're talking about the basic information. Is there a place then that, you know, okay, you have your MedStats. Is there a place that they're told to put it and first responders are told to look for it in a certain place? Or No, it's something I've been a firefighter <laughs> for a long time. So way, way, way back. I don't want to date myself, but we used to tell people, put it on your refrigerator. Mm -hmm. And the reason that's changed is, is because refrigerators are changed, but you know, a lot of people don't like sticking things on their refrigerators anymore. Right. So then they would tell us, put it in your refrigerator. Well, then what we find out is you put it, you put it in your refrigerator, do you put it in the freezer? Right. Put it in the freezer and <laughs> does it get more, pushed behind the behind milk and yeah, underneath fire. the yeah, lettuce? Exactly. Right, right. And then does it get frostbite? You know, I mean, right. I'm just kidding. Just you know, <laughs> So what we do now is we always look for your medications, no matter where we're at, because mm -hmm. that's how we can find information. We find out your name find out what you're taking. Maybe it clues us into what disease process you have. Right. So we suggest that you keep this information right next to where you keep your medication. Mm, okay. So some people like to keep it in their bedroom. Some people have grandkids, so they keep it up high. But wherever your medications is, if you can keep this information there, we're going to find it because we always send somebody to go look for a medication. Mm -hmm. That's just part of what we do. Right. So when you were first approached about this, then what kind, what did this look like at that time versus kind of how that's evolved and what it looks like now? Well, first, it basically had that, you know, we call ICE in uh -huh. case of emergency. So it had your contact information. It had uh, maybe a list of your medications, medical conditions. Medical conditions are so important. Um, you'll see a lot of people that will have hip replacements mm -hmm. or they have some kind of a artificial joint. Well, if you're going to put them into a CAT scan, for example, if they have a stroke or an MRI, that's dangerous. Oh, right. So okay. we, we added to that to say, do you have any kind of recent surgeries or artificial implants? The other thing that we did was is we looked at, there's a thing called a, a DNR or mm -hmm. do not resuscitate or living will, some people will call it, or medical power of attorney. And it used to be when we showed up on a call, if you were dying... By law, we were required to do what we could to save your life. Mm -hmm. Well, as you know, things like hospice, uh, people are living longer. They don't necessarily want those life threat or life long procedures mm -hmm. done anymore. Somewhere at the end of their life. So we used to have just a kind of a whatever they had there. If it wasn't notarized, if it wasn't a certain type. We couldn't honor it, and neither could they at the mm. hospital. Yeah. So we wind up putting people through a lot of uh, unnecessary treatment. So we have on our site now actually a link that goes to the actual attorney general's office in Arizona. Oh, great. To so. go literally and look at that piece and say, what's the new laws mm -hmm. and, and download those and fill those out. Mm -hmm. So that's one change we put in there. Uh, something else we did was is we looked at, there's a thing called fall injuries. And a lot of people, particularly older people, they fall. Depending on your age, there's statistics out there that say if you fall and you're over the age of 70 and you break your hip, the mortality rate within the next six months to a year is go, is about 65 to 70 percent. Wow. And a lot of that just has to do with you lose your mobility, mm -hmm. uh, you have more falls. And so we put a link on there to go to a fall prevention, a national recognized fall prevention uh, link, which goes and tells you how to uh, help with your house. Uh, different things, simple things like um, throw rugs 
Well, those get in the way of walkers mm-hmm. and they get in the way of things. Um, someone may have a, a two-story house. Well, just going up and down stairs can cause injuries. Right. So we, we put a link to there. We did something else where we put a link to home safety, which goes to a national organization that looks at, you know, when you're younger, something happens, you can get out of your house real quickly. But when you get older, it's hard to move around. It's hard to get out of your home. So we put a link to some home safety. And then the other thing we did was, is we put a link that basically looked at, at when I say fall prevention and home safety, we, we put a link there for senior citizen services, mm-hmm. just where you can link on there and you can just kind of go search the website. Right. A lot of people of a certain generation, and I don't, I don't, it's not everyone, but the generation that's the oldest now was probably the most independent. You know, they lived through the depression, they lived through World War II, and they're just not good at asking for help. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's a, it's a unfortunate, but that's what it is. And then probably the biggest thing we added that we thought was uh, interesting was um, when we go to your uh, firefighters, police officers, when we go to your house, we're kind of in our mode. Right. We're doing what we need to do. And some emergencies or some are not. But if it's a true emergency, when I say true emergency, where it's life-threatening, right. dying, we don't really have a lot of time to, to stay there. We need to kind of get going and doing what we do and get you to the right hospital. Well, if we put a list of, considerations we call for hospitalization or, or going to the hospital. The simplest thing is, is that a lot of people have cell phones, mm-hmm. but it's uh, around one o'clock in the afternoon. So my cell phone's probably at 50% <laughs> when I go home and I, you know, I kind of wait till it gets down. I plug it in. Right. Well, if I had an emergency, they don't have cell phone chargers at the hospital. Oh. So you go there and right. they tell you, you can go down to the gift shop and it costs you 40 bucks to buy, buy a, a charger. You know, charger. <laughs> so one of the things we do is we will say to people is, do you have your cell phone uh-huh. with you? And do you have a charger? And you'd be surprised how many times when we say, do you have a charger? They'll say yes, but they're not thinking about bringing it with them. Right. So we'll, we'll say, hey, let's grab they're your charger. They're looking at you like, why are you yeah. asking me if I have a charger? <laughs> yeah, because if they're, if they're seriously ill, they're going to be for right. a while, but if not... Mm-hmm. Uh, and that cell phone usually has people's phone numbers, contacts, right. kids, and that kind of thing. Plus, that's really where you can store information mm-hmm. that's necessary. The other thing we do is is that, and we will do this, there's, no matter what's going on, there's always people that are still kind of behind as we go to the hospital, uh, cleaning up and stuff. If you have a pet and mm. you want your pet to be watered or put in a oh, cage, right, right. we'll do that for you. Oh, wow. We'll, we'll take care of that for you. So just a simple consideration of what do you want to do with your pets? Yeah. Or do you have a neighbor that you want us to talk to right. to take care we of your take pet? take care of them. And we've had a lot of people who don't want to go to the hospital because right. they don't know what's going to happen to yep. their pet. Mm-hmm. More so what they'll do is uh, they'll wait and wait and wait until it's so critical and then they really don't want to go. Right. So that's a simple thing. Another thing is, how do you want your house secured? Mm-hmm. You want it locked up? Do you want to leave a door open? Or are there neighbors next to you that you would like us to talk to? Mm-hmm. Because there's HIPAA things. We don't go, we don't go knocking on all the neighbors' doors. Right. And say, happen. But <laughs> yeah. we, we, you know, if you say, hey, I'd like my neighbor two doors down, they know where my daughter lives and this mm-hmm. kind of thing. And then the other thing we do is, is that there is a number that you can call for your local agencies, your fire department, police departments. You call the fire department non-emergency line. So it's different in every parts of the valley, Mm -hmm. Um, you can actually, it's called a premise alert. And you can call them and say, I just want to let you know that if the fire department ever came to my house, I have a key in the backyard on the third plant. 
in the little fake rock that right, looks right. like a grape. Right. Whatever. So you can do that. And wow. that premise alert will mm-hmm. actually come up on our dispatch. So if we get to your house and maybe you've fallen and you're in the back, right. that information will be wow. there. So you can I actually no do idea. that. So we, we put that in there and that's the information that we call things to consider if you're right, for first right. responders. So that's what we've added to it. So those websites mm-hmm. um, and then that uh, list is what we've added right. to it. So it's really a whole packet of information really that you're yeah. that you're getting. So do they download this from the site then and get it all filled out? And like you said, keep it somewhere. I, I assume some of it is going to be informational for them to read and, and, yes. and know yes. about other mm-hmm. things are going to be things they're filling out that they're going to keep there so that first responders can read through that information. Yes, what we do, if you go to the website, um, it, you'll see it says MedStats. And when mm-hmm. you click on it, we have a PowerPoint presentation that you can look at. Oh, great. That it has basically what it is and then how to fill it out and mm-hmm. the things that we do. And then we actually had some links to those uh, sites I was telling you about. And then we have the actual ICE. You can print it out mm-hmm. and fill it out. You can fill out the considerations. We have spaces where you can write that information in. And then you can download it if you want to you can uh, save it onto a document Mm -hmm. on your computer Uh, you can update it there we suggest though that when you do that you print it out someplace yeah (laughs) you're unconscious we can't get to your computer yeah (laughs) what's their password (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh so that is that i mean that in and of itself that I don't know, program, uh, yes. pamphlet, whatever you mm. want to call it. That in and of itself, that's just, I, I'm kind of blown away by just all the information that's contained in there. And I'm thinking to myself, I mean, not just for seniors, I'm, you yes. know, anybody, you know, grab this information off there, fill it out. Um, kids, fill it out for your, your parents. Yes. Uh, and, um, and definitely pass that information along to them because just like you said, even thinking, like you said, the pets. Mm-hmm. What to do with our doors? Which neighbors can you tell? What you know? You never. These are all things. Obviously, at the time, if it's an emergency and you're yes. being taken off to to the hospital, you're probably not thinking. Absolutely. Even if you cognition, you know, everything is there during an emergency. Who knows what? Absolutely. Thinking about. Yeah. And I think, and this is just experience from being, you know, first responder for so many years. It happens to everybody. Right. It happens to firefighters. It happens to police officers. Mm-hmm. As we get older, you know, you might just have a sinkable episode or, or it means passing out for whatever reason. So when we take you off, you can imagine a family member coming home and they don't know or particularly uh, with elderly people. Yeah, I have an elderly mother. She lives in a different city and you call her and mm-hmm. we talk and I have family members that do the same. But, you know, you don't know what's going to happen at two o'clock in the afternoon right. or when you're on a trip. And so if, if you knew that if something happened to them, mm-hmm. there's a way that. There's information there for them right. to get a hold of. Right. And the good thing about this is we put it online. We used to do just kind of put the packet together, hand it out at, at events. But we thought putting it online allows people to just go to it. Anybody can go to it. Anybody, yeah. It's, it's a free service. There's no, mm-hmm. you don't have to pay $4 for it to download it and be right. a member and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so, you know, and, and we don't steal your website. Right, you know, right, right. Well, and like address, you said, it saying. probably is, is you know, yes. it's going to be need to be updated at yeah. times. This yes. way you can just download it, get Easily. it updated when you need to. And families and families from out of state can help their yes. loved one. Mm-hmm. And I think there's another thing, too, with all the presentations we've done in the last four months is, as we've updated this material, it, it's astounding all the people that don't even have minimally a medical power of attorney. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they can go to the attorney general's website, which is easy to find through this link that we have in our updated information. And they can 
scroll through the numbers of forms because there's a lot of forms to choose mm. from, but minimally that medical power of attorney allows them to choose um, someone that they can be responsible to help carry that information and they can make their wishes known, but that allows them to stay in charge of their life and right. be empowered and write down what's important to them so that someone can be their advocate. Again, back to that word advocacy right. and proaction. And that's written down and it's their words, mm -hmm. not the daughter's or son's words right. later or someone trying to second guess what matters to them at the time they're not able to speak for themselves. And essentially that will help people stay home maybe a little longer, right. a little happier at home, mm -hmm. a little bit more ind successfully, independently right. make at home. Make everybody feel a little bit more comfortable about, you know, about mom or dad being yes. home alone or, or um, friend or other family member. Yes. Yeah. And the good thing about this is you can do it for multiple people. Mm -hmm. You know, there's not just, you can download the phones, forms as many times you want to fill them right. out for as many people as you want to. So yeah, that's yeah, great. It's not a one-time use type of thing. So, and this is just one program of, of Saga. So what other types of things does your organization um, do in the community? And, uh, you know, it stands for, obviously, it stands for Senior Advocacy uh, Group of Awatuki. Yes. But uh, are you just just working within Awatuki? Are there are there organizations like yours outside of Awatuki? Well, we are for Awatuki, mm -hmm. but this essentially then taking that the next step. Last year in 2017, we were contacted by community members with concerns about how their neighbor was doing that was maybe perhaps more isolated and lonely at home, or they haven't seen them anymore, or the newspapers are piling mm. up, or whatever can be that that first response to know something might not be okay. And so we formed a work group called Isolation and Loneliness Task Force, which led to the theme of last year's very successful aging conference that we had in Ahwatukee. And the effort continues this year, whereby we um, are working to train volunteers, perhaps to visit those folks that are at home. Mm -hmm. And that is going very well through those efforts and that work group um, and, a, and a local church or two that are really mobilizing volunteers to help get that message imparted. But I think the other thing that with a few few simple statistics, Dr. Carol Long was our keynote speaker last year at our conference in 2017, and six or seven quick statistics that I use in my training to train volunteers speaks to increasing awareness and helping people understand how important isolation and loneliness mm -hmm. is. Most of us don't even think that's an issue or we're in denial or we, you know, we just don't notice the neighbor that's no longer moving out and about. So right. just a few simple statistics can help create that awareness as to why it's important. And those simple statistics from AERP are 17% of older adults are isolated. Hmm. And 51% of people 75 and over and older are living alone. And 51% of people 75 and older are living alone. I've just mentioned that. Six million adults 65 and older have a disability that prevents them from leaving their homes. And so without help, you can imagine there may be multiple comorbidities and other medical issues going on as well. Right. And then lastly, 26% uh, are at increase, increased risk of death due to feelings of loneliness. And so loneliness is the exception, 
and can be transient. And not everybody that's isolated is lonely and vice versa. Not everybody lonely that's lonely is isolated. Right. But when you combine it together with the obvious demographics and statistics, you can begin to see how we can create more awareness about the possible likelihood of this happening in our neighborhood, two doors down from us, mm -hmm. within our families. And Derek and the fire team see the worst situations, right. Right. which, you know, it's hard to talk about. But if we could even just take that level of awareness to another level mm -hmm. and build awareness, make it um, easy for people to have that education without feeling like we're, we're imposing on them or we're telling them what to do or we're knocking on their door demanding to know that they're okay. Right. <laughs> we can be done in a way that's right. always embracing dignity, respect, quality of life, personal choice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a little bit of training helps people to do that in a way that doesn't feel like Big Brother is imposing again right. or spying on right. them. We're really reaching out and, and helping them in a way that feels good for them. Yeah. I uh, We had in uh, the Tempe Community Action Agency a um, few uh, shows ago, and um, one of the pro programs that they talked about was their senior meals program mm -hmm. and how, um, you know, on the surface, it just looks like a volunteer is dropping off a meal uh, for a senior. But what other what some people don't see is the fact that, you know, when they're dropping that meal off, you know, they're knocking on the door and they're, yes. they have to check and make sure they're okay and see them. And um, I think that's one of those things we just kind of, like you said, take for granted, especially if somebody yes. isn't, doesn't necessarily leave the house every day because they're leaving for work, you know, or mm -hmm. something. We don't, we don't see them in these little things like this. What other organizations, uh, I guess specifically in Ahwatukee, that do you partner with or are you guys using for resources that you'd want to maybe talk about as a possible resource? Well, I think our 25 members currently, and we would like to grow that organization, mm -hmm. of course, and have more community profit or more community members and partners. We are a nonprofit, but some of our um, partners within our organization are for-profit businesses or smaller businesses. Mm -hmm. So many of the organizations are already helping seniors or in doing a lot of resources or, or providing a support and a niche group. But like so many things in healthcare, having you know worked in healthcare over forty years, so often we can get siloed, right? Or we're all competing for the same grant dollars, mm -hmm. and and so pretty soon we're really not as motivated to help cross across that silo and see how we can better work together, right? So an organization like um, Saga, Senior Advocacy Group, um, allows us to talk about those things in a way that everybody's working in tandem or or better together. Mm -hmm. Or a, an example would be our conference that we have every year or two, whereby we have over 250 people attend from the community and mm -hmm. we have 40 to 60 vendors or sponsors oh, wow. that come together that, that have an audience. So it, it's in their backyard, so to speak. They can come to Ahwatukee and network within that group of sponsors and vendors and get the education they may need. And it's done in a friendly, fun way, mm -hmm. which, of course, ties into, again, our 25 partners are wonderful. And we, we're in the process of updating our website because it, it uh, doesn't have as much current information about all of that as we would like it to. And so our 25 uh, members, mm -hmm. you know, are doing wonderful work in the community right now. And, and we certainly speak highly of all of them. 
But suffice to say, we can find ways to provide more resources for those folks that have an immediate need. Right. And you can try to give them four names of an agency that they could call immediately and make their own decision and, mm-hmm. and decide what, what's best for them. And again, it's done in a collegial way. Right. I like, uh, February I like, 9th is our annual, uh, it will be our conference okay. at the Awatuki Recreational Center, oh, ARC great. Center in Awatuki, which is a wonderful organization mm-hmm. in Awatuki. And so we're positioned well. We have a great team of volunteers getting ready to make that a successful event. Our theme is successful aging and a allowing people to be creative and fun. So right. we're not going to focus on healthcare. We're going to focus on creative aging, resilience in aging, fun, creative opportunities mm-hmm. to for people to look at the whole person and have a good time right. and learn at the same time. Yeah. So uh, we certainly will share that information with you as we get closer to that February 9th, 8.30 to noon event yeah. Yeah, on a Saturday. I like that you mentioned the fun I had member from the Arizona Artists Guild in um, the other week, and she was talking about how it used to be, you know, you go to the senior centers and you played bingo or you played cards or, well, today's seniors are not the bingo playing, card playing. Yes. They want, you know, art. They want dancing. They want to create some sort of creative yes. activities. And sometimes organizations are still stuck in that you mentioned bingo we um <laughs> sponsored a bingo the other uh-huh. day at um Los Anten- um Stancia, mm. uh, and uh we had a pretty active group right right they, 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 they <laughs> Vicky has mentioned we've uh, done a couple of presentations at the arc mm-hmm. uh, which is our recreation center that's part of the homeowners association mm. so we did a med status presentation there right. Uh, this morning, we got a generous gift from the uh, Tempe Kiwanis. Oh, great. They gave us a gift, to, uh, and we spoke with them. Vicki has been very uh, gracious. Uh, she did some training at her, her church mm-hmm. uh, of uh, about 20 uh, yes. volunteers, and we did a presentation there. So we've had community groups welcome us in and, and mm-hmm. pr- provide this information to them. And uh, one of the things we did at our last uh, symposium was we uh, sat with a group of Oh, probably there was somewhere in the neighborhood of maybe 200 people that showed up and we did some breakout groups and we got some information from the community about what they wanted. Mm -hmm. So this coming year, we're looking at uh, developing some relationships with some of agencies that can help people and connect them to volunteer groups. So um, we've been having a good time at it. Good, good. Speaking of volunteers, you've mentioned it a couple of times now. What are some of the volunteer opportunities that you have with your organization? Are is it just with your organization, or do you help volunteers maybe find other organizations that might be a better fit for them? Well, you know that's a very good question. I think as you as you bring volunteers to this process, have, you know, either for a conference mm-hmm. planning process or isolation and loneliness work group, or updating our website or MedStats people begin to see that this contributes to a mission mm-hmm. and it's valuable. And again, it's not just a networking organization where we're helping people and furthering a mission. So I think we we were, are continuing to bring forth volunteers and even training volunteers to reach out to isolated and lonely people at home has been a very rewarding process because they feel like their short visit of a half hour or an hour with someone at home is meaningful. Right. 
And again, engagement is a key word and a buzzword, but as you're engaging people in life and what matters to them and helping them be creative and Mm -hmm. have fun and visit with neighbors, you know, and network with our wonderful outreach program in Ahwatukee as well, that has a great friendly visitor program. We're again then working together in tandem and not competing. All of us are working together Mm -hmm. to reach and provide friendly visiting and support and outreach. Right. And through that collaboration, I feel like there's a way for people, like you said, that's it's sometimes it's difficult if you feel like you're competing with the other uh, organization there. But with that collaboration, I feel like there's just so much more good that you can do. But at the same time, you're also not wearing out your own resources if you're yes. able to work with another organization that, hey, maybe they're um, maybe they're providing a similar service, but maybe they're not. Maybe they're, mm-hmm. but it's just very complimentary to what you're doing. What is a way that they can, you know, get together and, hey, so I don't get burned out and we don't run yeah. through all of our resources. What can we maybe work together on? And also as volunteers are giving back, that's also a strategy for successful mm-hmm. aging, which we've found through Wyopus. Right. And so when you're giving back, your your life matters. It's purposeful. It make it's engaging for you as an older adult. Mm-hmm. And you know, the rest is we've already talked about, but it's wonderful work. Yeah. I think one of the things that uh, we've identified with isolation and loneliness is that there's a stigma using those words. Because who who wants to feel isolated and who wants to feel lonely? So one of the things that we're doing with this uh, symposium is we're talking about how to have a successful aging process or how to bring some fun into it. And one of the things is, is that, you know, a lot of the people that we, we see, we'll go to their house. We, maybe they fell when we'll pick them up and they will just start talking to us mm-hmm. and they just want to share stories. Right. Yeah. And they don't, they don't want it with, you know, sometimes if you're sharing, I'm a parent, I think maybe most people are, uh, I'm lucky though. Mine's a young one. So, <laughs> I can think through my stories. You know? <laughs> so I think one of the things that happens is is we've all been around elderly people that someone will say, I didn't know that about my dad or I didn't know that about my mom, but they told my friend or they told mm-hmm. a neighbor. And a lot of that is because there's no judgment. They're right. just, they're, they're being able to tell their story. And some of the other things we found out is that there, there's a lot of embarrassment of the health issues. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, um, doesn't, and we see this all the time where an elderly person doesn't want to use a walker. Right. And we can't understand why they don't want to use a yep. walker. Well, it's giving up independence. Yep. It's, it's, I mean, all the things you can think of being unable to do what you've done all your life and then what that brings. So it, it's a sense of saying, I now need help. Right. So what we found out is, is don't make that the issue when you're talking to them. It's more about what can you do to help you be more normal mm-hmm. or get back to that normalcy. So sometimes it's about, well, you know, if you use a walker, you can walk. Right. Well, if you don't use a walker, you, can't <laughs> you walk. can't walk. <laughs> yeah, or it's as simple as saying, uh-huh. you know, I, I know you're having a hard time remembering. I don't, we don't need to press you on what you ate last night because it doesn't really matter anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just, are you hungry? Right. So is it real simple things? And that's what we're trying to bring uh, in this new, our next, I guess you could call it our next phase on isolation and loneliness is mm-hmm. trying to make, help people understand there's resources, but also there's new thinking, there's new research. Vicki was mentioning statistics a little earlier. They're projecting that by 2040, about $700 million 
in Medicare money will have to go to just taking care of people with dementia and Alzheimer's mm. or memory loss. Yeah. And it's real simple. They call it old brain syndrome now mm-hmm. because we're just living longer. Right. You know, everybody was dying in the 60s and 70s. You never got to that point. So prevention and just different ways of doing things. So we're really looking forward to that's our probably, I guess, our next phase is we're working with some people. We've made some contacts. I don't want to name them yet because we haven't made firm commitments. <laughs> but we're going to have those conversations yeah. and figure out how to take that information and take that out to the community. Right. And just as Vicky was saying earlier, uh, we do fall in the silos because if I'm not, if, if, if I'm dealing with somebody who has a financial issue and every time I go to their house, they, they don't have enough to eat or they perhaps they're struggling financially. If I feel like I can't help them, it's natural to just avoid it, mm-hmm. you know, or if I, or if they have, so there's ways to deal with that and there are a lot of resources. So I think what our goal is, is to bring those resources to people so that when you do have a neighbor down the street, you can, you can do what you can do, but you can still do something. Right. So who and that is, does, that helps them yeah. stay home longer. Right. Or independent living mm-hmm. and in their homes and it's more successful too. Yeah. So who is it that contacts you and that organization? Who is it that, is it seniors themselves that are reaching out to you and looking for resources? Is it family members? Is it people from the community? Is it, who is it that, that reaches out? All of of that. Yes, it is. Because as, you know, so typically when there's a crisis or there's an urgent need, then, you know, in my other roles, I'll be called. He'll, he'll see the worst cases in, you know, EMS, but we can do more with just a little bit more education mm-hmm. so families are more supportive earlier and aware of the statistics perhaps they may be able to make a friendly phone call to a family member every week instead of waiting until there's that fall or we haven't heard from them in so many ways um if everybody would just step up one more notch that ties back to our saga mission as well and so we can create awareness so people, we can draw on those heartstrings and people's natural capacity to give just a little bit more and, and help, mm-hmm. I, which gets back to our mission again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I recall a, a, a CBS news program. There was a gentleman, uh, he was in his uh, late eighties and uh, his wife had just recently died and he was going to a grocery store. It was in rural Georgia and a little girl smiled at him and said, today's my birthday. And he said, oh. And she said, today I'm four. And he said, oh. And she said, can I get a hug? Well, she, he said, sure you can. Well, she hugged him. The mother took a picture of it. The little girl in the interview didn't know what she was doing. She was just saying, happy, but today's my birthday. Just like, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> what the gentleman said was, is he had given up on life. Aww. And that's exactly what he needed. And he said, here's this, and he has grandchildren in other you know, parts of the country. Here was this little girl that just showed him kindness, just a simple kindness. Well, it goes on with the story is they became friends and they're still friends today. And mm-hmm. she's about six or seven, I think now I saw a follow-up story. And that's something that happens, I think, is that when we walk down the street or we see people in the store or wherever it's at, we think they don't want to be bothered. And really, if they're isolated and lonely, no one's saying hi to them. No Mm -hmm. one's talking to them. No one's even paying attention to them. And that leads to really them becoming hopeless. It's not, it's not about depression or anything like that. Vicki made a comment. You can be lonely 
and be around a whole bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Or you can be around no one and be content. Right. It's just what's going on in their life. And so what we're trying to share with people, and particularly in places like Ahwatukee, where you, it's very affluent in some places. Mm-hmm. There's also pockets of where there are people who retired years ago. They've lost their spouse. They're living medicine. Modern medicine is a good thing. You live longer, but they're living in that house by themselves. Yeah. Their relatives are in other states. Their kids are grown. Their grandkids live someplace else. And they just kind of sit at home and they don't have any contact. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you think things like, you know, we're all tech savvy or technology is savvy. They don't use technology. You know, you, you think, well, I can FaceTime with my, my, my father or mother on the phone. Well, they don't. You know, I, I tried to FaceTime with somebody. <laughs> I was I, I was looking at my. They were looking at my sh- shoulder, and I'm looking at the, out the window on their phone because we're not we're not doing the thing we're supposed to do. So you know, it and and it's not the same thing. Right, it's not the same right. thing as touching somebody mm-hmm. or being around. So yeah. So how are you? Uh, you talked some about um, some trainings. Do you do trainings within the community um, workshops? How how do you get the information out within the community? Well, I think um, as we move forward, the, the people that we've trained so far have been isolated to one or two groups. Mm-hmm. But I think as we spread the word and, and next year continue the third year of our Isolation and Loneliness Task Force, we can then, with some additional resources or grant dollars or, or, or funds that mm-hmm. we've raised through our conference, begin to bring others together to talk about how we can reach into some deeper pockets or build awareness, even building awareness for people to look at their own neighborhoods would be very important work. But it's like everything else. Um, Our quarterly education offerings really help bring people together, and they've been very grateful for our quarterly education Mm -hmm. and bringing med stats quarterly. Yeah, Maybe next year we can build on some of the additional uh, links that were put onto MedStats. That in itself could be a quarterly educational offering for next year. And as you begin to talk about some of those things that are resources on a website, then you can begin to talk about the other statistics that just naturally integrate with why it's important. Mm -hmm. Why do we need to do it? And build that awareness at a comfort level that, that neighbors and family can understand and appreciate instead of being so busy that they don't have time or don't want to. Right, right. Or like you said, just having that awareness so that yeah. it's um, something that is, it's, they understand it. It maybe isn't a, a stigma. It maybe isn't a, yes. oh, they're fine. They don't seem like they need help because every time I look at them, they turn the other way and walk away. Just having that awareness. Absolutely. You know, to be able and to also out. with the early dementia dynamics that, that Derek talked about, and I have a great deal of experience as well in that area, but people are going to naturally hide the fact that they might not remember as well as they mm-hmm. did last week or last year. Right. And so seniors want want to remain independent and they don't want to look like they can't do as much as they used to or remember as well as they used to. So we can find ways to be respectful about that without having to be right in their face about, you know, their healthcare needs or or early dementia needs or their other medical fall risk needs, whatever. Right. So what are some ways, um, we've been talking kind of about individuals and maybe just the organizations that you work with as far as resources, but what are some ways that maybe businesses can get involved um, with Saga or even with helping you with your outreach? Well, I think if if they be for $25, you can be an annual member, mm-hmm. which is a nominal fee. 
and you can choose to come to the meetings once a month on the first Tuesday of the month, or you can just come when you can. And then I think if people see that our annual or every other year conference is a way to raise funds and bring educational resources and vendor tables or sponsor tables where they can get the education without having to drive downtown Mm -hmm. to get that, um, it'll be more comfortable. And they'll see that we're bringing it to them and we're supporting them. We're advocating for them and et cetera, et cetera. So the MedStats presentations that we've done now the last few months have been very well received and we've promoted awareness as to why it's important Mm -hmm. that you have this. And, it, and they can make their own choices known, for example, on that sh- those sheets of paper or online. It starts there. You know, we're, we're bringing more awareness and education in an area that's most impactful. Mm-hmm. And we'll build from there. Right. Derek, did you have any? Yeah, I think, um, as Vicki was saying, even if you have a business and you just want us to come and do a presentation, right. that's fine. Mm-hmm. I, I think um, um, some of the things that we found out on Vicki's own is very, very involved at a national level, at a state level in dementia and Alzheimer's. And so there's just some simple things that she's even brought to us to say, well, you know, when you're looking at somebody and you're talking to them as they've gotten older, they don't hear, they don't see well. So talking to them slowly, face to face, not changing their environment rapidly, uh, not you know bombarding them with a bunch of questions. Well, those are just simple things that you don't even think about mm-hmm. that really change the response that someone has. But what it does with a a patient with memory loss is it can actually drive them back into where they're quiet or they're sheltered. You know, they they shelter themselves or they become angry. So it's just the the approach. It's a real simple little thing like talking to someone face to face and slowly Mm -hmm. because now their hearing is not as well. Their vision's not. One of the things in Vicky's training is actually helping the caretaker so there's a lot of frustration with the caretaker. Yeah. So she's got great information on for the caretaker to take care of themselves mm. so that they don't become overwhelmed yep, and stressed, exactly. which you know moves forward. And then there's a lot of resources that are out there. Mm-hmm. I think if anybody, if, if, I, if I need a plumber, you know, I just you, you go and you kind of get the first plumber and you do what you you, know, right. you do what you do or mm-hmm. whatever or you need whatever you need. Well, there's a multiple groups and and access to information that we want to put on our website mm-hmm. uh, to guide you to those places. Yeah. So sometimes it's as simple as, you know, maybe your mother just needs a handrail right. in the bathroom, or maybe they just need to look at just uh, how the house is arranged. And then there's some things that maybe this is time for you to get care coming into the home, or maybe this is the time you need to transition out of that big 2,200 square foot house and maybe an apartment is a little bit better mm-hmm. for you. So there's a lot of resources that um, we uh, put together uh, in Vicky's training. And so we'd love to share that training. It's something that I believe it was about 14 to 15 hours of training. Well, the the training can be as, as easy as a one-hour deliverable because mm-hmm. that's all you have to reach a small audience right. or a larger audience. But there's a number of programs that can carry over a 14 hours mm-hmm. or are, for example, Dementia Friends is a one-hour deliverable that you can bring to different agencies. Right. Sponsored by, of course, Dementia Friends here in Arizona and the Alzheimer's Association and Banner Alzheimer's and Dignity Health. So there's ways you can bring a one-hour deliverable, Mm -hmm. and there's other ways that you can integrate several levels of 
of caregiving education for families that can go up to 20 hours, 15 hours to help them weekly. Yeah. And I'm thinking of the duet program. Uh, Dr. Pauline Boss's work is, is a, I've led that program. It's an eight, eight week program deliverable one hour a week. Well, you're right. By the time you're done with that, you've got 14, 15 hours, but it's done in a way that builds a fr- friendships and support within families. Mm-hmm. And it's done by international and nationally renowned experts that are bringing the information through, through live feeds or video. So there's, I think you have to meet the person where they're at yeah. and find out how and where they are in understanding some basic principles. Otherwise, they will not be receptive right. to education, right. help, support, or training. And so again, that's Derek's, you know, spoke so well of it's, it's respect, dignity, uh, toning down your approach so that people are not overwhelmed when you come up to them. Uh, 65 to 75 to 80% of all communications nonverbal. So once you understand that, then you can approach softly or kindly mm-hmm. without coming on with a long monologue right? where you, again, are connecting with their heart and their eyes and they hear you, they see that you care. Well, you don't just tell someone that. You have to right. model That's it. You have process. to talk about mm-hmm. how that can help the family member in the situation there that's immediately in front right. of them. I'm just thinking what a great way for employers to give back to their employees by offering these types of trainings, mm-hmm. because just think how much, you know, you could have employees who are, you know, are taking care of a loved one at home yes. under stress and you don't understand why they're coming in late or leaving early mm-hmm. or whatever that might be. And just what a great opportunity to have that training for your employees. Um, yeah. Like you said, it can be something as simple as a one hour workshop, it could be something that's a little bit more intense intense over time, depending on the level of interest or of yes. the employees, or like you said, kind of where they're mm-hmm. at with that. And one of the things that, Thank you for, uh, yeah. for that. Yeah, I think that's great about this is this is all science-based now. Right. And when I say that, you know, they, they've got MRIs and they know how brains work and this is not just kind of, and all these things were done before successfully. Now we know what's behind them. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing is, and, you know, I think we all remember if you were young, you had an elderly grandparent that impacted you. Mm-hmm. You remember how you took care of your, your, you know, your family. But if you're 28, 30, 50, and that hits you and you're at work and children and they call it, we used to call it, you know, they have all kinds of names, the sandwich generation, all that. <laughs> yeah. Now if someone comes to work and it is hard to work. Yeah. It is stressful. Mm-hmm. So these are things that we hope will help people to understand how to deal with this and actually reduce the stress and bring some joy to it. Yeah. Before we go and, and kind of get into um, how it, people can get in touch with you and all that, um, because you are both um, board members with the organization, I guess just if you could talk a little uh, just briefly about what it's me- meant um, for you to serve on the board and are you, is the organization looking for more board members? Oh, well, absolutely. <laughs> it starts with just being a volunteer mm-hmm. and, and those positions, you know, evolve and, and we can create, you know, the move people into board positions based on their interest mm-hmm. and passion for our mission. And if they would just simply become a YOPUS member or come to a couple of our meetings and, and just see if it's a fit, we'd be happy to welcome them yeah. to that one hour meeting once a month. Mm-hmm. And, and the other thing too, our sponsor packet is in the process of reaching some targeted sponsors for our February 9th event. 
And that packet helps sponsors decide if that's a group that they want to, you know, support. Right. And I, I truly think that as we move into next year, and I'm the current chair, but um, moving into next year, we can start to give money back. And that doesn't mean haphazardly. That means creating measurable, um, definable metrics that are not um, somebody's pet program or cronyism. Right. And you've got a way to follow up. You've got a way mm-hmm. to, to measure it. You you are reaching out in a way that allows you to see that it's making a difference. Right. And so I think once we start giving money back to the community next year in Ahwatukee, people will want to give and become volunteers just because they see it coming back yep. to their community. And I've lived in Ahwatukee 28 years. It is my community. Mm-hmm. And... um and I think it's you have to start somewhere. For a lot of people, they they don't know how to become a volunteer either. We can make it right, easy for right. them, and we can meet them where they're at. Again, b- back to that respectful, dignified approach. Mm-hmm. And again, that ties back to mission, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's just been a joy. Yeah, yeah thank I you. I think for it this. just really has mm-hmm. been, and uh, you know, there there isn't anything like a another human being not just accepting that gratitude, but you being able to give it with no strings attached. Mm-hmm. You know, it's as simple yep. as a smile or or just knowing you make someone's life. So it's been a joy being part of the board. Yeah, definitely. Well, I wanted to let you know, so and all the information that we um, talked about today, the uh, event that you have coming up, again, that's February 9th. That's the um, Senior and Family Conference. And so we will have, um, obviously, information about that linked um, in the podcast once this is uploaded to the website. But real quick, if somebody's listening right now and they are wanting to write something down because they want to get in touch with you, what's the website in... Um, what information will they have on there? Absolutely. There's there's two ways that um, they can reach us. Um, my email first is V-I-C-K-I-M-A-C at cox.net. Okay. Um, but our Saga website, and again, we're updating it. We, you can email sagaseniors.org, www.sagaseniors.org. Okay. And the rest can be, you know, we can follow up. Yeah, definitely. Great. Well, thank you both so thank much you. for being Appreciate here today. Thank you for this I was this opportunity. Yeah, I um, was uh, in in promoting uh, today's show. I was making the joke to uh, you know friends and such. Uh, yeah, actually, I have two people on that I don't know because <laughs> it always just so happens. I don't know in a roundabout way. I know somebody, and I said I don't know them. I don't know anything about this organization. That's why I'm so excited to have them in the studio today. Because not only do I want to learn about the organization and what's out there and what's happening, what resources, you know, now I can go on to tell somebody about. Um, but just anybody listening, just again another resource in the community. Either a way for them to get involved as a as an individual, um, as a business, or even just as a friend or family member who just you know wants that information to be able to give that out. So Absolutely. thank you both oh, for being you. here today. So as we wrap up, thank you so much for listening today. You've been listening to Three C Amplified, where we share how others are connecting, creating, and collaborating to amplify their impact. And we hope we've inspired you to do the same in your community. Until next time, I'm Jacqueline DeStrems with Another Hand Advantage. Let me help create a marketing strategy to put your organization's mission in front of your target audience and highlight the impact you're having in the community. Until next time, thank you so much. 